President's Day Denver. Sitting in today for Stokely and Zach, here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Hey, it's the Stokely and Zach Show. Just getting started. It's the music. You don't have to wait. It's right here, right now. Dan Jacobs, fill it in. Hey, for those of you that missed it, uh, good stuff. I, I thought it was really good stuff. Had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, DMAC joined us earlier this morning. We'll bring that conversation to you right now. All right, as promised, we welcome in Darren DMAC McKee to the program. DMAC, how are you, sir? Daniel, my brother. I have a question for you from the text line. Yes, I, have my own, I have my own opinion on this, but he says, Hey, Dan, I saw these whole pig heads at Walmart for 29 cents a pound. Are they workable in the smoker? What would you say, DMAC? I'd say no. I think that is um, uh, a risk not worth running. <laughs> a risk not worth uh, not worth running. I love it. I told him you could throw, you could throw anything in a smoker. Probably the only thing edible on the 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 head would be the cheek meat. Is actually not that I've ever had it, but I've I've been told it's delicious. And then I mm-hmm. if you you know maybe the tongue. I don't know, but um, yeah, I'd stay away from that. Sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, I was talking about it on my show. Was it yesterday, Dante? We talked about the the, the feral. Yeah, just to back up to that a second, like of all the things mm-hmm. in the whole world, and, and where did he say he saw this? Walmart, twenty nine cents a pound. Yeah. All right. Oh, so so it's cheap meat. Yes. So he's looking for the world's cheapest meat. Okay. Well, well right, listen, listen. When 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 in life, you, you have have just devolved. That you have a smoker. You have a smoker, but you're looking for cheap meat. Um, you got some issues. Hey, man, Honestly. once you get into the smoker club, you'll understand, like, everything you buy, people throw pizzas and pies and cookies in the smoker and their pellet grills, all right? Like, once you're in the I'm club. Saying, if, you, if you make the effort to get the smoker, why do the cheapest meat in a weird part of a pig's body? Because you why do everything this- on there. Isn't, isn't, um... Yeah. Isn't I, I think I don't know this for certain. I think pig tongue may be a delicacy, Dmac. Right, well, if I can't get it on DoorDash, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> consider it. Period. So, right. But that's me. Um, now we talked about this on the show this weekend. I I wanted to ask you if you think you get your you maybe he's this is where he is. Your partner, uh, Derek Wolf. Apparently, there's this big issue. Maybe you knew about this, Dmac. You're you're kind of a cultured Renaissance man type. Uh, yes, apparently there are, there's a big problem with feral cattle, not feral cats, feral cattle running around in the Gila wilderness in New Mexico. And so what they're going to do, DMAC, is they're going to get up into helicopters and snipe and snuff out and shoot, take down these feral cattle, apparently. Do you, yeah, do you, yeah. do, could you see, maybe, maybe they should call... Now, he can't use his bow and arrow. He's going to have to use a rifle. But do you think that would be a good job for your new co-host? Maybe you should turn him on to that? If there's any element of life that involves making a big deal out of nothing and going to a remote part of the world to do it and uh, involves some sort of weapon, my guy Derek Wolf has you covered. Wow. Say that first part again. If there's any element of life that involves that, making a big deal... Do- Big deal out of nothing. It is, it's involved in a very remote area of the world, and uh, there's some sort of weaponry involved. My guy D Wolf's got you covered. All right. Well, we're going to throw him in a helicopter and have him. You know. I'm sure. Dan, Dan, Dan. My point is, how big is the feral cattle problem 
in in uh, our society these days. They said it's very yeah. big. They says they're they're charging hikers I, and they're destroying the habitat. I'm sorry. Um, what are, what are they doing to hikers? Charging at them, goring them. Okay, they're let's, aggressive. Let's back this up. They're aggressive. How many hikers are we talking about in the what do you say, the Gila Wilderness? It's a Gila Wilderness, but it's a national park. The people go there to hike. Okay. You, you know, you hike, All don't right, you? How many? How many people? Just whatever ballpark estimate you want to make up. How many hikers do you think were threatened by feral cattle? You could ballpark it anywhere you want. I would ballpark it at five. Five. Again, if you want to make a big deal out of a small thing <laughs> in a remote part of the world that involves a weapon, my guy D. Wolf, he's right there for you. I bet you would love to get in that helicopter and just start blasting those cows, man, or or steer well, or whatever. I don't are. want Dan. I don't want that sixth hiker to, to to have an issue. Well, the problem is that they say. The people in charge say it's not just that they're aggressive towards humans, but also they trample uh, the habitat and they, they're they helping decimate the water supply because, I don't know, something uh, they do and, is uh, bad for the water. That, who does that water supply feed to? People. What are we talking about? The New, New Mexico. You know, here's my advice. For anybody impacted by the feral cattle in a negative way, okay, here's my advice. Move. <laughs> Move? That's their home. Move. I can't believe you're saying that. These, these New Mexicans have a right to live, a, a, a right to quiet enjoyment of their property. If you live, again, I'll repeat it. If you live in an area where your life is being negatively impacted by feral cattle, move. But they're not native. Uh, they're not native, DMAC. They were, well, some rancher abandoned them right. and then they've, they've multiplied. They're not native to the area. Okay. Well, then, then, then get Derek on the helicopter in AK and take care of it. <laughs> All right. By the way, I love the fact that after, I mean, how many months has it been? Two months? Three? How long have you guys been hosting together? October. October. Oh, so it's been five, six they months. Said they, they, they said there'd be no math here, but October. Yes. Okay. Well, that's great. And uh, that you already have a, a take on how to rip him um, on, you know, on a, a moment's notice about you know, him doing, you know, making a big spectacle out of doing nothing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's good that you guys have that Listen, type of I'm chemistry. I'm sure there's elements of my life that he is equally critical of. Like what? Uh, for example? And I am not perfect by any standard. For example? My passion for dumb things knows no bounds. Okay, so you have um, a passion for dumb things. Sure, I've got a passion for dumb things, and I'd, I'd be rightfully criticized for them. Um, but if we can't make fun of each other, Dan, where are we in life? Yeah. By the way, a texter says... What DMAC means to say is they should move. <laughs> That's a funny text. There we go. There we go. And you know what? Somebody right after him did the same thing. Like, there's now they're just pouring in. They're all saying the same thing. Our texters are so clever, are they not, Mr. McKee? Yeah, you know, Dan, I don't even know what to say. I like going skiing. I like hiking. If I saw feral cattle at over 12,000 feet, I would be stunned. So I like elements of Colorado. But I was at the uh, Avs game last night, which was thrilling. There, there, there were no feral cattle. There were only fading Oilers with Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl losing in overtime. So, uh, I don't know. All right, well, let's, I, talk, I, 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 let's talk about that. Let's talk about, uh, well, James Merrill is now 
I'm getting conflicting reports. If I look at Merrillat's Twitter, he says, see, I told you, the Avs are going to be fine. They are fine. Everybody's like, okay, the Avs, they're getting healthy. They won a couple games, and they're, they're completely back. Uh, are you on that bandwagon, or are you going to bring us back to reality? Tell us about this phenomenon. Uh, listen, everybody just assumes the Avalanche are just going to be okay by osmosis is ridiculous. They have repeatedly had to make significant adjustments. Hold on, Dave. Dad, hold on. Getting silly things like that. They, they, have, they have had to make significant adjustments when need be. So on Tuesday, they had a kind of an exciting game against Tampa, okay? But they blew a 2-0 and 3-2 lead. They go to overtime, and it was like soccer. It was puck possession. There were no shots on net. And they looked absolutely lifeless in the shootout. And they gave away a point when they had the lead. Dan, you just, you know, that's not good enough. So Jared Bednar shortened the ice time for bad hockey players like uh, Curtis McDermott. And what he did is he put more pressure on the rest of the team to win now. And so they did not take their back-to-back lightly against Minnesota. They were outshot 43-19 to and somehow came away with a one-goal win, which was a miracle. They were able to luckily go to St. Louis the day after St. Louis disappointed everybody by trading Ryan O'Reilly to Toronto, and they got a relatively easy 4-1 to win, relatively. They turned around yesterday, Dan, and they were dead as a doornail. Dead as a doornail. They had no life. They had no energy. They're down 3 nothing to a sold-out matinee crowd to the Oilers, and they found life. But they didn't find that life, Dan, late in the game just because, you know, because. Because they're always destined to do so. They had to do something about it. And they did, to their credit. But Jared Bednar, after the game, called it an ugly game. I think one of the reasons they were a little bit more motivated was the presence of Gabriel Landeskog. And I wrote about that, and you can read it this morning at denversports.com. Gabe was back in the building after being away for months doing rehab in Philadelphia and Toronto. So at least he's around. I think he's supposed to skate today. The team has the day off, but I think uh, Gabe's going to be on the ice today. And just his presence, I think, was enough of a reminder to just get it going, which they did. And they showed much more life late in the game. Miko um, Randon got a spectacular goal with 22 seconds left in the overtime. Nathan McKinnon was great. J.T. Copper had four points. And you saw more life in this team on Sunday than you did on Tuesday. So, Dan, it's not just, like, magically happening. Like, some hard work has to go into this. So just to assume the Avs are just going to be, oh, they're great. You know, that, that is like, I think that's an insult to them. I think it's an insult to the work that they're putting in, and it's an insult to the reasonable criticism of what should be expected. They had a bad day against Tampa. They rebounded with three wins and a really courageous win yesterday. So I think they should be given credit after receiving fair criticism. All right, so what's your prediction then for, you think this is the first step, though, in the right direction and that Bednar has, is, fi- is finding the way to pull those strings? Realistically, now that you've been covering them pretty much every game all darn year long, your thoughts on, okay, we get to the, well, one, they're going to get to the playoffs hopefully and they can then just flip the switch and go back to the, you know, win another cup? Where are we at? I, 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 th- I think just to make that leap is thank you, first of all, but I think to make that leap is, again, a, a problem a lot of Avalanche fans have. Their, their, their expectations are not giving the team enough credit for doing some really, really hard work. 
So my so what they need to do, first of all, it's great having Gabe back in the building, around the boys, period. That is a positive. He's like a Peyton um, Manning. He, he's a new sheriff. He's the sheriff. He's just the, the well, mere sight of him makes his teammates quake, and they say we we got to get on point now because Mr. Landeskog is back. Well, no, they, they already have a player that puts them on point and makes them quake. That's, that's Nathan McKinnon. The guy just grinds you, you know, period. He already does that. Gabe is much more reassuring. Um, so, and, and he's an incredibly productive player. So uh, I, think, I, think, I think Gabe is more like uh, DeMarcus Ware, okay? I think McKinnon is more like Peyton Manning, but Gabe would be more like DeMarcus Ware. You know, somebody that really motivates you, inspires you, doesn't play all that much, and he hasn't played at all this year. So I, I think, and I think you needed balance. You couldn't win with just that intensity. You, you needed balance, and I think that's exactly what you get with Gabe. So I, I'd say he's more like Ware than Manning. I'd say McKinnon's like Manning. All right, let's switch it up here because i got about yeah, six, seven more minutes with you, um, if you're okay. Um, sure. So Paxton Lynch... You know, I, I made a funny tweet. I said, you know, I'd like to, after he got benched in the XFL, I said, I'd like to formally announce Paxton Lynch's retirement from football. Uh, he'd like to thank his friends and family. How badly, I mean, just in hindsight, and I, and I don't want to just throw Elway under the bus for this. So, I mean, ultimately, it was his job, I and mean, he was the one person responsible for making that evaluation at the highest level. But a lot of people in the media kept droning on about how Paxton Lynch had all the tools and this and that. But looking back... How regrettable and just misfired was that pick? Uh, John Elway's history as a general manager is spotty, to say the least. I mean, I've repeatedly said he's the Tim Tebow of GMs. If you want to say he was great, look at the Super Bowls. If you want to say he was awful, look what happened afterwards. Basically, your moves as a GM sort of are more about two, three years after the decision is made. So, you know, Elway came on board in what um, – 2010, Dan, 2011. So I think he should get a fair amount of credit for the success that he had. A fair amount? What do you mean a fair amount? He won a Super Bowl. It was like a, you know, it was division championship, or you know, every year. Like, it was, when it was good, it was the best. You got to give our man, John Elway, credit for that, D-Mac. He's the best GM, said, maybe, I, in Broncos you know, history. Did you not like the word fair? Would you like me to use a different word? Well, no, you're not, you're not giving him his just due when you're like, eh. He should get some credit, a fair amount of credit. He gets all the credit. He was the boss. He gets all the credit. That's uh, the way it works, him, D-Man. give him all the credit, we just, I mean, it just wouldn't be accurate. But, but whatever you want to say, Dan. But then equally, you're responsible for the decisions that you make afterwards. And um, the Broncos are the worst team in Super Bowl history in the Super Bowl era since the late 60s uh, to win in what happened afterwards. The worst. The worst. There's only two teams that haven't made the playoffs in the last seven years. That would be the Broncos and the Jets. The Jets haven't made it to 12. Um, you've lost 15 straight against the Chiefs. The, 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 the results and poor decision-making of, of the Denver Broncos with John Elway at the helm has left, led to the pit of misery unlike no other in Broncos history, which is really rich. It's one, one of the reasons why the Broncos were and, and are a Tiffany type of organization, highest level. Right, and that is remarkable considering how bad they were in the '60s. I mean, it was dog poop like you can't believe. So the fact that the Broncos won so much, especially in the Pat Bowen era, is is really amazing. Um, what John Elway did as a general manager is why he's the Tim Tebow GM 
because just like you just espoused how amazing he was, you, you also have to recognize how terrible it is, too. And John Elway hired a GM in his shadow, George Payton, who is, is miserable as well. And doesn't have a miserable the right thing to do. Well, miserable? That's oh. a little harsh. He's miserable. just he's just so not as suit, as well pack, suited. As bad as as bad as the Paxton Lynch pick was, as bad as prepping Brock Osweiler for four years and just letting him leave, as bad as was judging that he should be the successor and he wasn't, like what a failure in terms of just moving on from Brock at some point. As bad as that all is, the decision that George Payton made a couple of years ago to go cornerback over quarterback is resoundingly awful. And everybody who loves, and I'm, I'm glad that Sertan is as good as he is because it shows you the, 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 the difference between the best cornerback and even a mediocre quarterback. Never mind that you could have got a solid young quarterback. So in terms of horrific GM decisions, Lynch is bad. For sure. But it's more bad because you let Brock Osweiler get away and you didn't talk Peyton Manning into a fifth year. Two things that you should have done. In no way does that compare to the worst GM decision of all time, which was Bradley Chubb over Josh Allen. The end, the worst, epically terrible. And somewhere in the middle between the worst decision and Paxton Lynch is not going with a quarterback two years ago which was on George Payton. There was, no, court, there was no quarterback to be had back then, D-Mac. It's revisionist history. Oh, there were two, Justin Fields and Mac Jones. They both they stink. Were both yeah, Justin Fields is so great, his team has the number four pick in the draft this year. He's terrible. Uh, they have the 32nd ranked defense. They have 100 million mm-hmm. cap space. They have a million picks. And they're not going oh, to have the first, first overall pick. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mac whatever. Jones is already a playoff quarterback. He's a winning quarterback in the NFL. You know, whatever, Dan. Yeah. You know, you can, you can blow past the... The obvious. You can look past um, things that make you can't sense kill him for everything. That was a, that was a well reasoned pick, and it's being borne out. It's Patrick Sertan's no, a great player. For, it was not only was it a terrible pick, but it's, it's a risky level. The riskiness of taking the fifth most important position compared to quarterback, linebacker, pass rusher, offensive tackle. I mean, you could have. Let's just take the quarterback out of it. You could have taken Micah Parsons or Rashawn Slater. Uh, uh, a world-class pass rusher or a what's going to be a world-class um, tackle. Both of those positions on a football field are more important than cornerback. So not only did you blow it by valuing a corner more than a quarterback, which is beyond obvious, a blind man can see that, you also screwed up by not realizing a pass rusher and a tackle are more important than a cornerback. So, there's, yeah, there's so now a- we have an all-world cornerback, but we missed out not only on quarterback, which was obvious, but you also missed out on pass rusher and tackle. It was it was a horrific decision. You can have a reasonable debate about the things you just said, but to, to say, and I know you said it wasn't close, but it's not even the same league. It's not even the same stinking sport to say that Bradley Chubb, who was a bust at number five over, you know, when they could have, they, they had their hands in practice on Josh Allen and they failed to pull the trigger. That's like one of the all-time, you know, debacles in draft history as opposed to Patrick Sertan. Well, I made it clear, that's player, number yeah. one. That's number one by a mile, but you asked me about Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch, so number one in the past 10 years. Number one, Chubb Allen, by a mile. Number two is corner over quarterback, George Payton. Number three, and maybe even deeper than that, is Paxton Lynch. And for everybody who wants to rip on Paxton Lynch, let me defend him for a second. Was it a bad pick? There's no defending him. He never grabbed a quarterback in the 20s. But I'm not going to rip on a guy who is at least trying. 
He wasn't yeah, trying. The guy is trying. He was not trying. Now he's, he's, he's saying he maybe he's... Man. He's been in four. He's been in... He could just quit. He's got millions of he dollars, should. man. He he's, he's in his fourth different league in four years. The guy is at least trying. All right. Last thing. Tell me it's so. Tell me it's coming. Sexy Rexy. Rex Ryan coming to save the Broncos. Coming to smack talk. Russell Wilson into respectability. He's going to be another new sheriff in town right behind Sean Payton. Tell me it's going to happen, DMAC. I thought we were done talking about feral cattle. Ha! There you go. Uh, this is this is the funniest thing of all time. You know, uh, we're getting a glimpse on how things went with Sean Payton during his job interview. Uh, he really had no clue who he was going to pick for a defensive coordinator position. Anybody could pick a special teams guy, and he has. He's the offensive guy, so that's fine. He only had to present in his interview a plan for a defensive coordinator. Other than that, take your time. I am laughing my ass off at so many people who are talking about Sean Payton is great because he's so meticulous with his search. And that is that is a riot to me. So the one thing that you have to know going into a job interview, Dan, as a head coach, is who your coordinators are going to be. And and trust me, special teams coordinators compared to offensive and defensive, who cares? And he's already the offensive coordinator. Dan, all he needed to do was have a plan for one coordinator position. Dan, that's it. One. So he had to go into his job interview for the head coach of the Denver Broncos with a plan for one guy. One. And his idea was originally he was linked up with the Cangio. And then that didn't work out. And then we got Sean Desai. And for whatever reason, that's not working out. And then the, there's this guy, Rallis, in Arizona, who I've never heard of before. But apparently he was in the mix for the Broncos. And now he's with Arizona. Then you get VJ? Dan, VJ? I know. I mean, I'm not bad. saying VJ doesn't deserve it, but, but here in Denver, VJ? It's a whole new regime, D-Mac. We're turning a page on the past. We're coming out from beneath the shadows of the past. But then, then you, and only you, because nobody else is interested. No, I don't don't like him. Rex Ryan. And this is even more comical. Rex Ryan makes sure he spins it to Adam Schefter that he's only going to go if it's a perfect situation. Because only having one opportunity isn't as embarrassing as not getting that offer from that one opportunity. So you got to make sure that he has a plausible deniability that he can say, oh, well, it wasn't the perfect situation. But still, it was perfect enough to come in your uh, blue jumpsuit and sit at the Embryus Hotel uh, leafing through a USA Today. Who knew they still made that thing? So that's Rex Ryan here. And here it is Monday, and we still haven't heard? And and now Mike Clint is reporting there might be other mystery candidates, and this is supposedly evidence of Sean Payton being meticulous? Now, how do, you say, how, how do you say you don't know about the USA Today? They were the ones that broke the story on Russell Wilson and his charity scandal, which, by the way, shame on you guys for letting that, that story die. I, I need to hear more about that. What? It was like he took two days of heat, and then the Super Bowl came, and he's off. You know, you're, giving, he's, you're letting him off the hook. What about the hook? We crushed him on that. For a I day mean, or two, he rode the storm about? for a day or two, and then he rode the storm. He put out a, a embarrassing, pathetic statement, and I never heard anything yeah. again. 
<laughs> I don't, I'm really not sure where, you, where you're going here, but aside from playing the statement, ripping it to shreds, talking about it, writing about it, um, aside from all of that, I'm not, not, I'm not exactly sure what else you want Don't to do. Don't let your facts get in the way of my argument, DMAC, okay? I'm right here. <laughs> all right, brother. Okay. All right, we're way over. Thank you so much for taking the time on the holiday. I appreciate it. Dan, you got it, and uh, Rex Ryan. I, hey, Dan, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Dan, I'm here for the chaos. Bring on Sexy Rex. Oh, I know. We need it. We, we, we need it uh, for our jobs. We, we got to bring him in. Here for the chaos. All right, brother. I'll talk to you. I love that, you that's Darren D. Mac McKee. Thanks to him. Your chance, and I know a bunch of you want to, your chance to react. Coming up next. Happy President's Day, Denver. Sitting in today for Stokely and Zach. Here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Thank you again to D-Matt for joining the program. He brought the heat today. He had to get it all get it all in there in about 20 minutes, a little over 20 minutes, because he's not going to be on the air today. Normally he has, what, three hours? Three or four hours? Or I guess four hours to get the whole thing out? I did like that, that line where he's like, if what did, what did he say, Dante? It was like, if doing something, doing something... Not important. What was the the line he said about Derek Wolf? If, if bringing attention to, to doing something not important is a possibility, Derek Wolf will be there. Something like yeah, that. something like that. Yeah, close enough. If yeah, not. close enough. <laughs> so I like it. They already got enough chemistry. They're they're taking shots at each other, or at least he's taking shots at at Dmac. I I don't know. Does 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 Wolf take shots at Dmac during the show? Um. From what I've heard, not really. No, not, not I don't yet. think he really has to. I think it's just kind of an unsaid. <laughs> T-Mac does it on his own? Well, no. It's just more of an unsaid, like, it's, you know, like, pick pick on someone your own size kind of deal. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Here's one that says, the Sean Payton hiring is so bad. Harbaugh was their guy. They couldn't get him to take it. Ryan's is who they wanted then, and they wanted him bad, and they whiffed. Then they hired Peyton, a guy who didn't want the job. His boy, Colin Cowherd, said so. So they finally made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Sean did not want the job. Now Rex, embarrassing, embarrassing. DMAC knows how horrible it all is. Somebody else saying that DMAC is dropping truth bombs today during the show. So, now, we've probably gotten, I don't know, 50 texts on the whole DMAC thing today. Two of them were in support of DMAC. But it's like that all the time. He's the king. If you look at that during his show, at the text line, they, you know, people, people are jealous. People get jealous, man. Mr. Jacobs, my word, DMAC, I think, I think that's problem with speech to text here but it says something about dmac needs to be let needs to let it go oh my word dmac needs to let it go from the josh allen versus bradley chubb pick i don't like john elway the gm because he takes credit for the first draft that was already outlined and put on paper who to draft and when but the josh allen pick would would have been a bust here in denver with vance joseph and mike mccoy when and then musgrave as the oc at the time why does dmac never acknowledge that the broncos would have not not to uh, have Josh Allen of 21 
or 22 because it would have still had to turn it over to the coaching staff. If I could go back in time, I could guarantee that. Um, I agree with that, actually. Well, it's a hard argument to make. Like, okay, so the, the coaching staff is so incompetent, it doesn't matter who comes through the door, they would have been terrible. I don't know if it doesn't matter anybody, like who, but I, I don't think Josh Allen's nearly as successful in Denver as he was in Buffalo. Well, these um, these me- media types at the time, all they did was rave about the, the Bill Musgrave offense. Heard about the Bill Musgrave offense. Bill Musgrave offense. They didn't know what it was. Like, I literally... See, this is what happens. The Broncos, they put out these narratives, and so many of these media guys, they just run with it. And that was one of them that year. Oh, the Bill Musgrave offense. It's going to be so much better. It's going to be so much easier. Apparently, the Mike McCoy offense was too too hard to digest for players. The players, according to the Broncos, weren't bright enough to understand the offense. But we're going to, simp- we're going to simplify things. We're going to make it easier for the players to understand. We're going to put them in a position to make big plays. So I, was, I asked an executive one time. He, I said, hey, how's it going? He's like, good. Yeah, it was going to be great with the Bill Musgrave offense. And I said, well, what is it? Well, you see, it's going to it's going to put people, it's going to be simpler and put people in positions to, to make plays. I know, I know that. I've heard that. But, like, what does that mean? Is it, like, shotgun? Is it West Coast? Is it spread? Is it pistol? Like, what is the Bill Musgrave offense? Well, uh, you know, that's a good question. Not so sure about, you know, they didn't, they didn't even know. He worked for the team. I still to this day don't know exactly what the Bill Musgrave offense so I like this one. As you know, we have a policy on the show that flattery will get you everywhere. It says Dan Jacobs is a lot more likely to drop truth bombs than DMAC. Hey, we like it. DMAC tell one GM that would take fields over uh, Sertan right now or, or uh, Mac Jones. He's just wrong there. I love DMAC. I appreciate him coming on the show. He is absolutely 100% wrong on Justin Fields over Patrick Sertan. I give that's like the one thing, one of the very few things, not the one thing, but one of the very few things I give George Payton credit for is that he made an evaluation of the two quarterbacks that were available at the time they were picking, and everybody got excited. I remember on the air, I was listening to the fan, the coverage, the fans' coverage of the draft that night. We're getting Justin Fields, yeah, like it was a done deal, according to the fan staff, and when it didn't happen. Their hearts were broken. But I give George Payton credit. You don't just take a quarterback to take a quarterback. D-Mac's thing is quarterback is always more important than quarterback. Not if it's a bad quarterback. Not if it's a quarterback that's not going to make it. It's too important. If you draft a quarterback and he doesn't work out, oh, well, you get labeled that you drafted a bust. Maybe he plays serviceably, but he's not great. Right? Like Bradley Chubb was a bust. We know now he was a bust. George Payton did a good job getting getting what he got for him, right? He was a bust. But it's not the same. It doesn't set you back. The team wasn't set back because Bradley Chubb was a bust. I mean, it didn't help. But they were set back because Paxton Lynch was a bust. Because they didn't do the, what they had to do to fix the situation. Because when you draft a quarterback in the first round... You are always going to give that time to play out. Paxton Lynch, the coaches wouldn't even let him on the field, but they wouldn't pa- They wouldn't draft Josh Allen because, well, we got Paxton Lynch. 
it, it's just different when you draft a quarterback. So you can't afford to draft a bad quarterback that high. Justin Fields is a phenomenal talent. But he's just not great. He has all sorts of problems. And yes, everybody wants to jump into his defense and say, oh, the Bears are so bad. The whole thing's all bad. It's all terrible. That may be true. But they were the worst team in the league, right? Am I, I'm right, Dante? The Bears' number one pick? They, they have the number one pick? They're the worst team in the league. Do you think that the Bears make the playoffs the next two years? No. Three years? I don't know. Three years from now, maybe. I'm not saying he can't. I'm not saying that. They, well, it sounds like you're really bagging on him here. He, I just don't think he's good enough. I think he's he's a run-of-the-mill guy. Like, like we've seen a million guys like that come in, very talented. I think he has problems with seeing down the field. I think he has problems with accuracy. I, it's just he's a, he's a gimmick guy. Phenomenal talent that will make some plays. He's like Lamar Jackson, only not as good. All right, again, do you think they make the playoffs in the next two to three years? It's, I mean, it's possible. I don't think next year, no. I don't think two years is likely. And, no, I, I, I think he'll probably be gone. With, I think it's more likely than not. He just flames out, and they're, they move on to somebody else. I don't think so. I don't, you know, it's not like set, making the playoffs is not, to me, not that high of a bar, especially in the NFC right now. So is it possible? I suppose. I don't think it's very likely, I though. I think they win double-digit games the next two to three years. No. No, no, no. no I don't think so. Won't get double-digit wins? I, uh, if they do, do you, would you admit you're wrong about Justin Fields? No. That, okay. That's I would not admit I'm wrong about what Justin would, Fields. What would it take he, he would take for him wrong. to win a championship. Just a championship? Yeah, he needs to win a championship. There's nothing less than that? When I draft a generational quarterback type player, when like he's supposed to be, like D-Mac thinks he is, I want to win a championship. I'm, I'm here for Super Bowls. Now, I understand that's hard. I understand that Dan Marino never won one, and Jim Kelly never won one, Aaron Rodgers only won one, Brett Favre only won one. Like, it's really hard. It's not easy to win multiple Super Bowls. So the one, that's one reason we should appreciate the greatness we're watching with Patrick Mahomes right now, because I think he's going to win more. That's why we have to begrudgingly admit, even though we all hate his guts, that Tom Brady is the best in history. Because it's just, there's no comparison. And so, no, I'm not going to give him a pass and be like 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 Nuggets fans or Avs fans last year. Like Mike Evans saying, well, if the Avs if the just, you know, Western Conference Finals, maybe get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's fine. No, I'm not here for that. Championships, that's what we need. Lamar Jackson does great in the regular season, gets his team to the playoffs. What does he do in the playoffs? He's not the real deal. So that's, that's really, it's, it's, so what, there's only like five real deal quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, you have guys that like Joe Burrow that you know is the real deal. He's gotten to a Super Bowl. He does. He has no rings, so bust. Well, I don't think he's a bust. But you're not. You're talking about getting the playoffs. That is not the same thing as Justin Fields winning double digit games and Joe Burrow being one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You can be. One of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I'm like, all right, but he's not, and he's not going to be. Justin Fields is not going to be. Well, that's what I'm asking for a bar, so we can put like, so that way it's not um, subjective, or that way it's not objective, it's subject or whatever. Right, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's obviously it's an opinion. It's going to be subjective. If he if he's dominant and they're just kind of coming up short and it has nothing to do with him, 
you know, like Joe Burrow versus, you know, the Chiefs and somebody hits somebody out of bounds. Okay. Like, people are saying, well, Josh Allen doesn't have any rings. We see that on the text line. Well, he's young, and he's very competitive. Joe Burrow, I think Joe Burrow's prop more, you know, most likely, it's very, very hard. I think Joe Burrow is just a special cat. He's one of those guys. I think he's going to get a ring. Josh Allen, I'm not so sure if he quite gets that level, but he's right there. I, I certainly would not be shocked if Josh Allen got a ring. I expect Joe Burrow to get a ring. I expect Patrick Mahomes to get more rings. I expect Justin Fields to never even sniff a ring. Nor, like, like Matt Jones, for example, might sniff a ring because of the coaching. But, but it won't be because of him. It'll be because he's, he's playing his role in the system very well. So I wouldn't say he's, you know, a fantastic quarterback either. And that doesn't mean that George Payton should have drafted him as well. All right. We'll keep this rolling. Got to pay a couple bills real quick. More to your uh, reaction to DMAC and what we're talking about now. Coming up next, Dan Jacobs filling in for Stokely and Zach here on The Fan. Happy President's Day, Denver. Sitting in today for Stokely and Zach. Here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Who knew that Justin Fields was so, uh, such a hot topic, such a point of, uh, contention here in the Mile High City? I do like this. Somebody texts and says, I'm a Dolphins fan, Dan. Do you know how frustrating it is to see that they traded a first round pick for Bradley Chubb? I know, man. How, like, see, like, d doesn't want to give George Payton credit for anything. I give him credit for that. Why not? Somebody else says, Justin Fields' bar should be perennial NFC championship appearances the next three years. Otherwise, he is a bust. But he is a bust now. He has not elevated his team to even get double-digit wins. And that's why they're picking number one this year. That's from Derek in Castle Rock. Thank you, Derek. This is an interesting question. Says, Dan, is Russell Wilson a real deal QB? I don't know. Well, the answer is this. He absolutely was, and he absolutely was not last year. Will he be in the future? I have my doubts. I'm hopeful. I am. A, I have gotten tired of his act. I mean, the charity thing, and I was giving DMAC a hard time about that. I just, I was incredibly disappointed with Russell Wilson's response to the charity scandal. You have a a very in-depth, detailed story from the USA Today come out with very specific points of contention about your charity when you've tried to build a brand of what a great guy you are, and it appears that this charity, whether he knows it or not, is being run like a slush fund to compensate people that are already on his payroll for his private businesses. And... I did a show on, I believe it was a Saturday, and did not condone the behavior, but said I wanted to give, I still thought Russell Wilson was a good guy, that his heart was in the right place, and maybe it was some people around him, you know, that kind of took advantage of the situation, but I appreciated the work that he personally does. I do that all Saturday, so I wasn't giving him a pass, but I was at least trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then he came out like five minutes after my show was over and delivered a pathetic, embarrassing, tone-deaf, 
cringy, sad response that you could tell was, you know, I, I said he's like a politician. He's like one of those, you know, toy politicians where you just pull their back, they, they look the part, and they have a string. You just pull the string in the back, and they read their talking points. They spew out talking points. Okay, here's our talking points. Okay, our talking points are that we raise a lot of money that doesn't go through the foundation. Just tell them that. You're really proud of it. You're proud of everything, and just say we need to be better at certain things. It'll be fine. And I'm like, there's no way that's good enough. Absolutely, 100%, that is not good enough response. Because one, when, when a story like that comes out and they're interviewing an expert on those types of organizations and they say that's not an excuse, that the exorbitant salaries for a charity your size, even if they're helping, working in partnership with other foundations and charities and organizations to raise money, that's not an excuse. There's rules as to how much you can compensate a quarter, uh, student, not a quarterback, as we're in the text line, compensate your executives. It's not like the free market where you can go out there and pay ridiculous salaries to CEOs and do all sorts of stuff. It's charity. It should be run a certain way and follow certain guidelines, and you're not doing it. And I thought it was pathetic. And so I was giving DMAC a hard time, and everybody else in the media a hard time is like, we're just going to let that go? Quite frankly, at the point after that s- statement... You know, my thought was this needs to be uh, a stain upon until he really addresses it and shows us that he's sincere. Every time Russell Wilson comes up, the charity scandal needs to be brought up. Alleged scandal, potential scandal. If he's really just going to try and pass the buck that quickly and have no sincerity, then I, you know, I just I start to have my doubts. I've always thought deep down, beyond all the nonsense, he was a good guy. But I start to have my doubts when you see that statement that he put out. And I don't think it should just die. And that's what it feels like. It feels like, oh, well, Super Bowl's here. Like, it was a really hot topic for one or two days, but Super Bowl's here. Let him go. Let's give him up, you know, phase off into the background. That's not an issue. That should be fading off in the background. Not when you are selling yourself to the fans and to Broncos country and everyone around the world that you're trying to get interested in your brand. If you're going to sell yourself a certain way, I don't have a problem if you're going to bring a camera every time you go and do something good if you do something good. I don't have a problem with it. There are people that are, quote, anonymous donors, and I respect that. Like Jake Plummer was great at it. He, he ran a foundation. He was passionate about it. And he didn't want any credit. That's fine. I don't have a problem if Tim Tebow and Russell Wilson want to bring a a camera every time they go to the children's hospital. You want to know why? Because they're at the children's hospital. What I do have a problem with, though, is you're going to get wrapped up in things like this and have no accountability. It makes me sick. And until he comes out and actually owns it, I'm going to have a problem with it. And I think it should be attached to his name. I think his... His career is going to end very, very badly, and he's going to – the first 10 years were great. I think people are going to remember how bad the last – he could be out of the league in three or four years and how bad that was. He needs to own it. All right, coming up next, we gave him a little time off. He was on this morning for four hours, but we visit with him on the Stokely and Zach Show every Monday, Denver 7's Troy Rank. Coming up next.